Hey guys, this is Andy Cranach. I'm in a room right now with your man D-Rock and Jason Moreno, both video editors on Team Gary V. I've worked for Gary for the last five and a half years, helping him manage and grow his personal brand. This is a session from VaynerMedia's Daily Digital Deep Dive that took place February 20th. Gary spends an hour with the attendees that are generally business owners, entrepreneurs, looking for better information on how they can scale and grow their companies and market in a 2019 world. As someone who's leading one of these sessions at the Daily Digital Deep Dive for Team Gary V, it's been really exciting to see a lot of small businesses, operators, real successful entrepreneurs who just need extra help and understanding of the power of what a Facebook pixel can do for your business or what we mean when we say contextualized creative or what we mean when we say creative is subjective or what we mean when we say that you can't be at the mercy of Instagram alone. These are topics that Gary talks about all the time, but what's special about the podcast is that it actually allows more room for understanding and context on what he's actually trying to get to that a 60 second Instagram post won't really deliver on. If you've been listening to this podcast at all for the last year, there's zero chance you haven't listened to one episode in which you heard Gary scream and talk about the advantages and future of voice for marketing and your business. This was a topic that was brought up in this 4D session that you're about to listen to. I genuinely believe that 7-Eleven and Burger King are in deep shit in a 30-year window. This is about timing. You're very thoughtful. I've listened a couple times. Like Everybody here, I will tell you the biggest thing that I've gotten better at, the lessons I learned as a kid, even though I was right, I literally built my dad's entire business strategy for Wine Library when I took over in 1998. This is true. That by the year 2000, which was 24 months from then, Everybody would walk into our liquor store with a phone and have technology that would give them the price of every product in the country in order of best price. And that's literally how I decided to sell everything at cost that anybody knew and then build up other brands. It was great because it really worked because we were the price leader of every wine anybody wanted. We still don't do that. It is now 2019. We have close-ish capability, we have that capability-ish. There is something called Wine Searcher, if you're a big wine buyer that aggregates, like it, it's there, but it's not one person will walk into Wine Library this year. Best Buy, where people look up stuff on Amazon, you know? So I was wrong about timing. What I got, be- what I'm good at now, people are like, yeah, you're so right, I'm good at timing. That's why I didn't bet on VR. That's why I don't bet on AR. That's why I don't bet on machine learning or things of that nature. I know every one of those things is gonna happen. The question is when, right? So, yes, what you're saying is right. The question for you is, how are you overthinking it? So would I say you should go buy a bunch of buildings for restaurants, like that may not work, but when that's at scale, when, when ordering food on Alexa is at scale or Google, you could be talking about a good seven, 10 years. Could be more. I think that's, if you know, I don't, I don't, I'm guessing. That feels ish. You know, you start thinking about set. You know, here's what you have to look at. Who's doing it all the time? If anybody here has three to nine year old kids in their life, they definitely see that those humans think about voice very differently than we do. 
So in seven, eight years, when they're you know, in high school and have the capability of having like, some money, whatever, they're gonna start doing things differently. Um, that's how everything happens. That's how online dating happened. Online dating was around for a long time. It didn't become acceptable until the generation that only talked on AIM and all that got, got it. So you have to look at consumer behavior. I'll tell you the bigger thing is gonna be the infrastructure of last mile. Who's gonna deliver it? Well, so maybe. So for example, I think there's gonna be a ton of restaurants that don't have a physical location that are just sitting under buildings oh, yeah. and have contemporary that's, kitchen. That's what I use today. It's 100%. That's, today. that's right. Maybe that's what's happening. That's what everybody's gonna be. Mm-hmm. So and do you think in that context there's gonna be almost no brand left? No, I think brand's the only thing left. But like how many? Because as many as there are now. Like, I think that, to your point, Alexa or Google or phone send me a cheeseburger, but there will be brands that say, send me a Shake Shack burger or McDonald's or Burger King. I, think, I don't think brand has to go away. I think you're making a valid point, but I don't think you, you realize how many people don't buy based on brand. Like, people, like, the amount of people here who bought a cheeseburger and they actually didn't give a fuck it was just the first one in the airport that had a cheeseburger, and whether it was Tim Hortons, McDonald's, you know, Burger King, or something else, they didn't care. Well, that happens every day. That's why private labels are doing well, right? And convenience is king. But brand is queen, and she runs shit. The amount of brands allowed are completely predicated on how well brands are executed. I think store. You got to think about what one buys, right? Like, like a cheeseburger. I mean, everybody, like, look, I think you're gonna buy your toothpaste, you're gonna buy it from Alexa, and it's gonna be in your home within three minutes. That's awesome. You know, buying a fucking pair of sneakers that way is not awesome for a lot of people. Still, people wanna see it and touch it. Like, so you have to figure out what. Commodities are in trouble. 7-Eleven's in trouble. Convenience stores and bodegas are in trouble. I really believe that. We overpay. Uh, everybody here has paid more for something that they knew they could buy somewhere else because it was right there. Instead, you didn't drive to Walmart or Costco or Saitsbury, right? Well, that convenience is about to get really convenient. So it's convenience, it's brand, right? There's all the same things that have always dominated humans, will always play. So I'm obsessed with brand. Because with voice, to your point, I pull up a Google search in 2003 when that was the game. Even you might have been better, I was the best at it. Wine Library was better than everybody. Even wine.com, I was better than everybody, that's why I got big. But people still saw their store that they were actually looking for and not me below, right? They, they, they typed in Cabernet, they wanted to buy from the supermarket. They saw the Wine Library ad. I, I got a lot of them, but I didn't get everybody. And they would go to where they wanted. Here if I say wine, Amazon controls that. So what I need them to say is Wine Library. That's why brand is so important. Right, because if they're gonna say, send me supplements, mm-hmm. I want creatine, you're finished. Because yeah. you're not gonna be able to afford the affiliate fee. The amount of money that Google, Apple, Amazon, or whoever else wins this is gonna be able to charge brands like Rickard to be, <laughs> the, to be the default brand are gonna make slotting fees in stores look like a fucking picnic. Do you think Amazon would automatically as well make their own private labels? 100%, 100%, 100%. Yeah. They'll be strategic. They, they'll, they'll do what they've always done. They'll pick and choose. If, if Rickard's willing to really pay, they'll be like, fuck it. We'll get to whatever, shave, whatever in three years. 
But if nobody's willing to pay, fuck it, we'll do it ourselves. Or they're gonna look at data. Everyone's asking for shampoo. It's now a viable enough thing for us to do our own shampoo. Voice is a big one because it's not visual. Visual still gave us options. Voice, we're gonna have no control other than one thing, brand. Alexa, send me Twinkies, not chocolate cupcakes. That matters. That's why I keep building brand. That's why brand is forever. Which is why I think quality is a game one way of doing it. Like, like, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. But then people go away because it's like shit. And, and the quality where, to your point, and that is examples where the quality, you had a big enough advantage in the actual consumer's point of view, not your own. Where a lot of brands are gonna lose and why they lost the private label game is they assumed that the quality delta was gonna be enormous and in some categories it wasn't. So correct, your R&D capabilities are the delta. But convenience is a son of a bitch, boy. It's a fucking son of a bitch. There are people literally going to a Sainsbury or Walmart or a supermarket wanting to buy your product, but because it's one shelf lower and this one's here and they know they don't like it as much, it's just fucking, they don't have the second for you. It's crazy. How to be a brand that makes somebody willing to be inconvenient is the fucking holy grail. How are you so good that I'm willing to go out of my way to have you? A topic that Gary has been talking about as a personal brand his entire career is not being reliant on single platforms for audience attention. On February 20th, Gary V posted on Instagram, if Instagram broke and disappeared off the face of the earth, 98% of people reading this right now would also disappear off the face of the earth. Don't be one dimensional, get your platform game up. His post copy reads, please, please, please diversify your platforms and content and start using the attention you have here on Instagram to build up your email list texting platform, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook accounts, your podcast, and LinkedIn profiles. My friends, this isn't a recommendation, it's a warning. Cross-platform promotion and growth is a topic that you're about to dive into. I li- it's so crazy, I don't know if you saw, this is literally the post I just posted on Instagram this morning. I think my post is something like, if Instagram disappeared today, so would 98% of you, because everyone's so one-dimensional. What should you do? You should start a podcast 365 days a year. You should post two times a day on YouTube. You should figure out the business version and put it on LinkedIn. You should start your own text messaging platform. You should build up your own email. Just all of it. All of it. You need the platforms because you need their attention you siphon it. And you need your own first party data, email and texting, because you need to own it. Do you think also the own platform just that you yep. cannot be... Sure. Yeah. 433.com? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you have all the data. Because even the traffic and the cookies and the first yeah. party so data. All, all of it. Yeah. Events? Yep. Yeah. Apparel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of it. Clear. We opening... Uh, and the beauty is you, you're in a great spot. That's the answer to everybody. Yeah. You have something big already. You just have to throw right hooks in 433. Look at my post. I always say, watch what I, you know, look what I'm doing. Like, I'm po- like three posts to get that post I took five years ago where I point because I want you to turn on my notifications. Like, I'm always gathering attention, right? 
you know, I'm putting the final touches on my new text messaging platform. I had it for a while, first in line. The tech wasn't strong about to re-roll roll it out. And when I re-roll it out, and you'll see it, I'm gonna throw right, like, one post is just gonna be a black box with a phone number. Like, that's gonna be the post. I don't give a fuck that it's gonna get 22,000 likes instead of 200,000. I want the fucking phone numbers. People get caught up in bullshit. Literally, I know this happens to your company, whether it's you or somebody else. You care so much about winning the day on a post on Instagram, you're not siphoning out the IP. You know, this is what happens. They, like, your next post should be like, sign up for our email list. It's not gonna do as well as the fucking clips, but it's gonna be much more valuable for your business. Hey listeners, this is Andy Kay. I've worked for Gary for the last five years. I have the word contextualized creative ingrained in my brain for the rest of my life because I've heard Gary say those two words together probably more so than any other word. What you're about to listen to is the meaning of contextual creative. The difference in ad performance in running an ad that speaks contextually to the audience that you're trying to hit versus a generic vanilla ad is drastic. Gary's about to dive into what that means exactly and how to best use it for your business. Yeah, we're not so critical of what we post because we want to be, have the high engagement yep. and be behind the algorithm. Yep. So, but I totally understand because uh, you're pandering to Instagram. Yeah. There were people that were the biggest on MySpace too. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a- LinkedIn's underrated. They built fucking Facebook and there's business people in there and all you have to do is if you're selling them soap, make it about how efficient their business day will be if they use your, you know, like you have to make it contextual. People always talk about awareness, but they don't talk about relevance. And the biggest problem is everybody talks about awareness as potential awareness versus actualized awareness. So what I love about Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, it's actually being consumed. And you can actually make contextual creative for it. That's why it's so much better. When you talk about contextual creative, are you going after a psychographic profile or is it Both. contextual to? Both, psycho and demo, right? Okay. And the platforms have that information. But like, like you know on LinkedIn that the person works at RBS or went to Cambridge, or like you know. I, just, I, don't, know, I don't know how people haven't figured this out. Like to the, I, when I say haven't figured it out, have, I think we do a bad job of layering common sense. It's so effective. The problem is nobody realized how much creative it took. That's where everybody got fucked, including it took me a little while. It's just so much creative. Like back to personal brand for some of you, like some of the stuff we're starting to do, it's like, hey Detroit, hey Texas, like the stuff I'm doing for empathy, sat there for like 20 minutes and did like 73 different beginnings. Hey, did you fuck up, this is literally one, hey, did you fuck up Valentine's Day? We're running that right now. Don't ever fuck that up again. Order a subscription to wine, you don't have to think about buying her a gift anymore. Dudes, you know, like, you know, like it's, you know. We literally picked the highest net worth uh, counties in America, literally from Wikipedia, just like probably clean-ish data, and I just was like, hey, Huntington Beach, hey, Somerville, hey, Huntington, like literally. And then you run it and it converts better. But what everybody else did was what I did for years. Hey, everybody, you should pick up this wine. Run to everybody. Think about if you guys made contextual creative 
as Instagram ads to just the football team that person actually liked. Podcast. I don't know when this is going to go in on the podcast. We probably just interrupted a really interesting part. We would love to hear back from you what your favorite part or learning of this podcast was so that we can then take that information and create an article, an Instagram post, a LinkedIn post, a Facebook video, specifically around what you guys main takeaway from this podcast was. Thank you. When they, I mean, literally when you see a LinkedIn ad that says, hey dad, do you have a daughter? Here's what's really cool though about going broad. If your LinkedIn ad said, hey, hey dad, do you have a daughter that rides? What, what's interesting is you, LinkedIn and Facebook do not have that data for the most part. But if you go high net worth, if you go into cliche, right, that human, if it's a good piece of creative, is gonna pass that on to his nephew whose daughter rides, or his boss, you know? That's what's amazing about social. <laughs> Nobody rips out a fucking newspaper ad and brings it, no, you know, like think of, right, or watches a commercial, takes out their phone, records it, and, but people do pass on social creative that's good. Be like, hey, do you know about this company? See where I'm going? Yeah. So there's that's the reason to go broad. Social media is special. I just don't understand how people don't see it. And I, let, let me phrase: it's hard. It's hard. It's new. It's it's the it's the reverse of the old world. It's literally the reverse. It's all bottom up instead of top down. So it just doesn't come natural to people, because most people are not consumer centric. It came natural to me because I grew up in a retail store, selling, knocking door to door. It was only the customer. There was no academia. There was no thesis. There was no consulting. And it was always, I was always on the hook. Even people that are street kids that go into companies immediately aren't on the hook. So that's how I got there. You know, it's taken a while for me to realize why, but that's the game. In this next part, Gary talks about his pattern of recognition and what he's seeing in the future of the economy. When you have to be profitable, what you're gonna learn, that's why I think we've got the model down and you'll do it internally with us, somebody else, is you'll get math that works for you. You just won't be able to scale it in a way that somebody who's losing money every day could scale it. But as somebody who competed against wine.com that had $168 million in funding and I had nothing and I won, it's because 2000 happened. When the world melts, all these DTC brands are finished. Finished. They're completely built on the next round until they sell it to one of you. And and I think you guys and not you you know but like macro CPG big brands are finished because channel conflict. Because same it's deja vu. The best bet I ever made was when the internet collapsed. I was only 24 years old. The, all the stock market collapsed April 2000. Dead. Right. I bought Amazon because it was the first time I understood that Wall Street, because I didn't know, was different than real life. Amazon was gonna win, but Wall Street did different shit. What, you know, it just, what, and that's when I figured it out. That's what's gonna happen. Shit's gonna hit the fan tomorrow. Everyone's gonna melt. Procter and J&J and Pepsi are all gonna high five and be like, see, fuck those fuckers. But in the ashes are gonna be the actual companies that put them out of business. Which is why you should do that, meaning, just build something that's profitable. That's it. That's it. Your biggest, the two biggest things you have to do is make sure creative and math and insights are working together, not separate, and you make a fuckload of creative. 
So the biggest issue for them at four, six, and twelve dollars is how many creative variables the agency's making. The target's right. Twenty-three-year-old dudes and fucking shortage is not hard. So you do volume of creative. Right? I mean, that's that's the bit, right? I've been hearing about it all the time today. Um, do you would you also apply the same principle to businesses? Yes. A volume of businesses. I thought you were going with R and D of products. No, to, no, both no, no. with businesses. Yeah, new brands. Think new brands. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially if you do R&D that way. Don't guess. I would literally create a channel on social media called Make Pretend Products and just post every day and see what people give a fuck about and then go make that orange juice with coconut oil. Why guess? You had to guess because there was no way the internet didn't exist. So yes, I would. But I would do it the way I just said. I wouldn't guess. Unless strategy, right? You guys are a big company. If Unilever or J&J or Proctor has something that you're pissed off about and there's like good reason to like fuck with them, like hymns, you know, you know, like things like that, yeah. just to fuck, because you're, you're, you know, fighting a war. So you're like, you know what, let's go fuck around in that battle. That could be a lodge, you know, a place where you could lose and still win, right? Like, if I was running a big conglomerate, I would look at the place where my biggest competitor's winning, I would make a product that I was gonna lose money on with the sole reason of making that brand seem not cool to the end user. And if you were running a big company, would you buy any of these uh, BGC companies? If I felt the talent would the, in that company so just for would be able to not just drive that business, but drive the DNA of the full organization. If I was like, these guys are so dynamic, and when I bought them, I'd be like, look, I'm gonna pay you twice. I, you're getting 40, 50 million offers, I'm gonna give you 100. 100, but I'm not giving you dick until the end. I'm gonna give you five now and 95 in year four. Contractual. Like, we can't fire you, you'll get it all. And in the four years, you have to change the DNA of the organization. I don't even give a fuck if your little thing grows. I need to fucking fix this. Content, 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 more, more, more. I'm sitting here with D-Rock across from me. D-Rock likes to say, and I quote, Gary has fundamentally broken how I think about my creative. What he means from that is, it's not up to D-Rock or myself or Gary to decide what is good content or not. The judge and jury of one man's or one woman's point of view on changing that text to black or choosing a different moment is one person's point of view. And that the market is the market and you will get more learnings and speed on putting it out versus debating whether or not your font should be pink. This is a deep dive into this topic that could be a long-winded debate for a long time. If you can figure out how to not let anybody be the judge of the creative, you will win. Who is it? To... Who's the judge in your world? The CEO, a founder, two bosses, somebody? Like, who is it? Well, the founders are very much. That's your problem. That's your problem. That's 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 your problem. That's our gifts really our brand, and it's like well. It's them, also them, like it. them. So them. Really you pound them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You educate them that their subjective call is the vulnerability. Yeah. It's back to humility. It's back to the wonderful question he asked, like, why doesn't that frustrate you? Because humi- I have more humility than I have ego. 
I mean, I'm putting out content about me. Forget about empathy or fucking a hotel or a sneaker or a shaving cream or a vitamin. And I'm wrong all the time. It's me. I read all my qual and I'm wrong enough. That's what proved to me like if that's happening with me, who nobody's deeper in the qual, quant, that like I'm in and it's me and I'm producing it and I know and, and I'm wrong, game over. I mean, that's exactly right. And then just, you know what? I think what I do well is I get to the punchline quick, right? If you go to the punchline quick, and I keep pointing, because I'm just so excited, because I'm curious, it's gonna be awesome to see what you do or don't do, but it is the punchline. If you sit down with two founders and be like, and this depends on if you're willing to get fired, have a good enough relationship, but if somebody just says, hey, Joe and Johnny, here's the punchline. Your subjective fucking call on if that's cool or not cool, good or bad, means nothing. The end. That doesn't mean you can't have, like, you know, when people hear me say that, they go, well, Gary, what about the guy who said, if I listened to my customers, I would have made faster horses? Then I would say, good. Then you would put out the car, the car would have worked, and everybody would agree, back to businesses and products. So, if they're so right, let them post four times a day. You don't, by the way, you wanna really work it? Don't post on the Instagram account, run them as ads and see what actually works. You can run a thousand pieces of Instagram content a day. Run them as ads, they don't show up on the main page. It's why everybody loves stories. Everybody puts the main feed on such a pedestal, like it's your fucking art in your home, but stories is just like whatever. So people produce like crazy for stories, but are fucking crippled by the main feed. I just treat the main feed like stories better than most friends and fam of the podcast one thing i'm really 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 curious about even though i can see on the back end of our podcast analytics i would just love to get a gauge from you all what's your favorite podcast platform and what platform are you listening on right now i hope you guys got some value out of that as someone who's been listening to gary's voice literally every day for almost six years helping him create content and figure out the best ways to format his content for social platforms my favorite type of gary content is the one that I know will be most tangible and actionable for business owners. I hope that there's some tangible takeaway that you got from today's podcast episode. Thank you for listening. Five stars, subscribe. We appreciate you. Thank you. Finally a place where you don't have to hear and I've got a Jersey potty mouth. I grew up in Jersey in the 80s and it's the way I communicate. When I first started making content in the business world, I cursed in the mid 2000s and it was stunningly unacceptable and probably bothered a lot of people. As time moved on and our culture moved on, a bigger percentage of people became okay with some of the colorful language. However, a big percentage is not everyone. And more importantly, deploying empathy and caring about the audience is ultimately the only thing I truly believe in. I don't want to change who I am, and nor will I ever. However, I also don't expect people to conform into me. I have to conform into them, because ultimately they're the audience. For that reason, I'm super excited about having a curse-free channel. This is an incredibly important chapter in my career, an unbelievably exciting channel for me, and I hope you enjoy it for the rationale behind its creation.